Welcome, visionaries and revolutionaries, to the Aligned Empire podcast, your gateway to building a movement of change, wealth, and impact. I'm your host, Drea Brown. This podcast is for the visionary woman who is ready to master the energetic frequencies of money, business, and herself, and is ready to expand into a frequency, life, and empire that mirrors her highest purpose. Together, we are rising up and reshaping the world as we know it, defying limitations and boldly embodying our highest selves. You're not just listening to another podcast. You're embarking on an epic journey. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Aligned Empire podcast. I am so excited today to introduce to you someone who is, when we connected, we were supposed to talk for literally 15 minutes, and we ended up talking for over an hour and a half. And she is just, the the more that I get into her world, the more incredible I truly realize that she is, and the more powerful it's, I'm just excited to so introduce you to her. So it's Jennifer Longmore, who is an award-winning CEO of the Podcast Connector. Connecting Visionaries and New Thought Leaders with Aligned Podcasts, and an award-winning CEO, an 11-time best-selling author, and sought-after media personality. She knows the importance of quickly establishing oneself as the leading authority to build credibility, attract more media, and attract more aligned clients. She's also passionate about providing high-level platform-expanding services to experts with a mission to change the world who simply need to get their message in front of those who really need it. Jennifer is also a serial entrepreneur, investor, and board advisor to various conscious apps in her spare time. When she is not coaching and teaching, you can find her hiking with her family, mining for crystals with her son, or enjoying martial arts with her husband. So welcome, Jennifer. So excited to have you. Thank you. I'm so excited. As you were saying that about the 15 minutes, I thought, you know, I'm actually a very direct communicator to the point where people kind of go, oof. Uh, and, and then other times I can get chatty Cathy. So I don't know who you're going to have on today. I don't know who's going to come through me, but maybe a mixture. I don't know. I look forward to whoever is coming through. <laughs> I know it's going to be amazing because it's, it's you either way. So <laughs> I love it. So Jennifer, I'd love to hear your story just about how you like 11 time bestselling author. That's insane. How did you come to be that? to also creating the podcast connector, to also being a serial entrepreneur. I'd love to hear your journey, how you got into all this. Well, thank you. Yeah, 11 books is kind of ridiculous at this point. I mean, they're helpful, but I get pitched a lot to join these collaborative books and stuff. And I think, oh, like I I don't really need to do that. But, you know, not in a in a bad way, but the if anyone's written anything, well, we all, you know, everyone listening, I'm sure creates content, right? You kind of have to be in the mood. You can feel like you're overproducing at times. And it's not that we don't have things to say. I have more that I can say, but I want to make sure that whatever book I put out next is like really impact, like, I guess a legacy book. I don't know how else to describe yeah. it. I'm going to be releasing a, an Oracle deck this year, which has been on my list for 20 years. So 20 years ago, I started my business. I was working uh, or I was speaking at the Learning Annex, which was a big deal to be asked to go and do that way back in the day. And I would drive into the city early because the traffic was so bad. And I'd sit in the restaurant in the hotel and I would eat a meal and I'd journal and I would write out all these things that were going to happen. And they all happened Uh, very quickly. I was able to collapse my five-year vision into three months. And that is fun. And additionally, when you don't know what you're doing and you don't have a business coach, and you don't know how to keep the train moving, 
I ended up stagnating for about five years because I didn't know what else to do. I, I didn't know, oh, well, if you've accomplished your vision, I guess you should create another vision and like make it bigger and so on, right? So for the first five years of my business, I'm sharing this for a reason because I know we can all relate in business, right? Um, I was happy to invest in myself. It wasn't that I didn't want to invest in myself. I didn't even know having a business coach was an option. I didn't even know they existed. And I don't know about you, Drea, but like I hear so many, any successful person I interview will always say they wish they, their only regret in business is that they wish they had hired a mentor sooner. And I can say that's true for me. 100%. And then so what about creating the podcast connector? How'd that all lead to that? Well, during that time, those first few years in business, I was needing to broker my own speaking gigs. And I was shy and introverted and... I thought I better go to Toastmasters and figure out how to speak because I know that I need to speak to reach people. But what if I get on stage and I literally choke, like I have no words coming out? I better go make sure I actually know how to speak and like I have what it takes. I was borrowing other people's stages, which is kind of what we're going to talk about today, right? I wouldn't have had that lingo at the time, but I was getting put out in catalogs with like 10 million distribution and stuff for the learning annex. So that was great brand exposure for me. This is back before social media even existed because yes, I am a dinosaur. But um, I had to learn how to build a business, you know, kind of the old fashioned way. And speaking is a big part of that. I still believe in that to this day. I feel like there's timeless things. And so all of these years, I would have to broker my own gigs and stuff, which I was happy to do. And I really learned how to pitch effectively. And then when I had my own radio shows and my own podcasts, of course, you know this too, Drea. You're going to get some pitches and you're like, ooh, someone needs to help me with that pitch. You're going to get a lot of no's oh, with yeah. that pitch, right? And All the time. And so because of how I've received pitches and then, of course, because how I've pitched people, it was just kind of a natural evolution. And I was coaching uh, one of my clients and I didn't even know she had this business, the podcast connector, because she's a generator like me. She just goes and creates stuff and Next thing I know, she's telling me she's built a business, she's sold a business, whatever. And she was irritated with the business, not because the business did anything wrong, but it really wasn't a fit for where she was at. And she said, I I just want to walk away from this business. And out of my mouth, like I did not plan on saying this, I said, no, you cannot sell this business. I'll buy it off of you. And then I said, look, we're not going to take your coaching call, obviously, talking about a business deal. We'll set aside a separate call and like, you know, have a call. But I said, look, let's at least with any relationship, you know, let's just assume you're in a romantic partnership. Part of why people struggle with leaving relationships is because they don't do everything within their power to try and make it work. I'm not talking about, you know, when there's orange flags and red flags and danger and stuff. I'm just talking about like... I think why so many people brood over their exes is because they didn't do all they could to find a way in and to find a way to make it work. So I said, look, like, let's try this marketing strategy. Let's try this thing. Let's try that thing. And in, and if after you do all of that and your perspective of this company doesn't change, then you and I can have a conversation. You don't even have to sell it to me. I do think you need to sell it and, you know, monetize what you've already built essentially, right? And and be compensated for your sweat equity and some other things. So with, it only took two weeks. She's like, I really wanted to give it a try, but I only learned that I really don't want this business. I'm like, well, that's good. Then you can walk away from it and feel like, you know, you'll have no regrets. And then it was important for her to know that it was going to be in good hands. And she knew it would be because she knew that I knew what I was doing. 
and um, and so it all happened very quickly, and and then I had a vision come in of how I was going to grow it, which was different than hers. And for people that are woo in the room, they'll appreciate this. I've never done this before, but I actually thought, you know what? I'm already talking to my astrologer about something else. I'm going to do a reading on this business and find out what what it wants to be. Like, does it still want to be this thing that it was designed to be? And sure enough, all the all of the downloads I was getting about it being very collaborative and inviting in preferred vendors and you know all the things, um, just it was all in the stars essentially, right? And so how interesting that when the astrologer looked at the original birth date when the former owner had it, she was instinctively running it the way that that birth date sort of matched. And then the new birth date came on the day that I bought the company, right? And so all of this energy kind of swirled around. And then I mentioned to you before we started recording, you know, I don't know what's going to happen at the time that all of you are listening to this recording. But um, right now I'm in active conversation with three different competitors because that was what I was very clearly shown when I bought this company that I would be acquiring three competitors within the first 12 months to 18 months-ish. And so we're 13 months in so far. And now we're actively in conversation. And they may or may not come to fruition. Uh, but I think, you know, it's fun to just be in the field of possibilities and always be, for those of us that are visionaries, right? That's where we like to play. Like, what else is possible? What else can I create? What can I outcreate? Oh, the situation doesn't feel good. How can I outcreate the situation? So it's been interesting. I've never, I've coached a lot of people on agency models and I've masterminded with a lot of people that have had agency models. So I didn't go in blind. And as I'm sure you can appreciate, once you're actually in it, you're like, oh, there's some nuances that I did not anticipate, right? So that's been fun. And, uh, and but now we're, we're just in a different place. And uh, my goal, like really on a, on a passion level, I'm just excited to be able to give people the things that I, like to be the person for someone else that I wished I had had when I was starting my business. I had no one to delegate this stuff to. Right? And for those of us that are busy, like people think, oh, it's an experience. Oh my God, it's like the most affordable service ever. But for any of us that are busy CEOs, why would you pitch yourself? Yeah, you have the time, but do you have the time? Because unless you're going to pay someone $500 an hour to pitch you to a podcast, you shouldn't be doing that yourself, right? If you want your company to grow. And I'm saying that as a customer, by the way, of these companies as well, right? Like I, it, I, it was never a factor for me, even though I could pitch myself, that I wouldn't just delegate that to someone else because I need my time, right? I know you get that too, right? Like my time is so valuable to me that I'm just going to hire people that can do what, yes, I can do. Uh, but I also think too, the cool thing about this company is that, and I'm a big proponent of this, like if I were to do all the work in this company, I'd be staying in my zone of competence and there's no real growth in our zone of competence, right? Like you can make money for sure. You can have a seven figure company for sure in your zone of competence in maybe even eight figures. But um, for those of us that have a growth mindset, we really are designed to be in our zone of genius and to really unlearn all the ways that we take stuff on that, yeah, just because I can do it or I can do it quicker or all the other things, you know, fill in the blank, right? My goal and my commitment to myself is to really offload anything that isn't in my zone of genius. And that's not yeah. as easy as it sounds, by the way. I'm sure everyone's nodding going, yeah, well, I get it, right? Yeah, yeah. Has, it, that, has that been a big thing for your business is delegating? And just 
in allowing yourself to be in your zone of genius? Is that how you've seen such incredible success within your life? I grew up with the whole, you have to work hard for the sake of working hard. You have to work hard for your money. You have to tell everyone how hard you work for your money so that they don't get mad at you and think you were born with a silver spoon. You have to tell everyone how hard you're working to keep your money, right? And so I got to a certain level, as any of us can, right, with working hard. But then then you end up bottlenecking. There's a lot of unlearning. And so the cool thing about having an agency model is that you actually don't need to be in the business. You just need to be in the visionary and guide the company and be strategic and, and that kind of thing. But it makes no sense for me to do that work. And the company would never grow if I was in writing all the pitches, writing all the press releases and things like that. I can oversee that. I can I can help people learn that skill. But um, yeah, and I don't even know that it's a control issue because I think it's easy for us to say it's a control issue if we're hanging on to things. I think part of it's just habit. I think it's just learned things. I I think for those of us that move through the world at the speed of light, I I joke that I move through the world like a cheetah, right? And so a lot of it's just me automatically taking care of things. I also think for those of us that have successful companies, we've just learned to be resourceful. You can, you can only get so far without learning how to use Google and like, you know, asking for help or or asking for questions or like asking questions or whatever. So I think, um, you know, we we have no choice but at some point to be letting other people in to support us or else, because if you have a growth mindset, right, then you're bumping up against this inner conflict because you want to grow, but you've created the conditions to stagnate without realizing that you've done it to yourself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And then we and might even go down a shame spiral or whatever, even though that's totally unnecessary, right? Yeah, usually. <laughs> and I love for you, right? Like you're you're in a perfect position to just force your hand to delegate. Most people don't have that. Most people can take their time with that and really lollygag with that and, and come up with all the justifications as to why they still need to write their own copy, which I totally get. Like, I get it, honestly. I do think there's a different vibration when you're writing your own copy versus delegating it. And there's, but there's also amazing copywriters that can do stuff, right? Or we think yeah. we have to do our own sales calls. Well, no, there's other people. That's zone of confidence. Like other people can do sales calls if your company even offers them, right? But um, when we're in situations like in your situation, uh, the gift of that, I, I get that it's also stressful because you're like, oh, I only have so much time to get everything. Oh, you know, whatever. But the gift of it is that it forces you to do what the business already needs you to do. It's just that you have a life event that's forcing you to do that, right? So... Yeah. And what I've realized about delegation, too, it's like we have a responsibility to make a massive impact in the world. We really cannot do it unless we delegate, unless we find support, unless we find coaches or mentors to really help us through that. Mm -hmm. That's been a big thing that I've been learning a lot. Oh, yeah. Well, you and I were talking privately, right? Like we both have our right. I call it my second brain. Uh, I don't mean that it's an id. It's, it's a human. She's a lovely human. She's my COO. Uh, and she loves detail and she loves checklists and stuff. I love that. I think there was a book, I think the book's called Rocket Fuel. And after I had already hired her and I was reading it, I'm like, oh my goodness, I probably drive her bananas because I am like the poster child for a visionary. So I sure. said, hey, I read this book. Uh, 
how, what, how soon did you know I was a visionary? She goes, within about the first 15 minutes of going through your operations. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I said, oh how God. often do you curse me at night? And uh, she's like, no, I love, she loves working with it, right? Because she, she likes an, a fast-paced environment and we have a fast-paced environment. I run three different companies, right? I have an investment firm. I do a lot of hard lending and angel investing and board advising and stuff. I have my very woo company at the podcast connector and then, you know, we'll be absorbing a few other companies this year, right? So I need her. The point is I'm not, I'm here because of her and all my other team members because uh, I can't do it alone. And I would have, you know, to a lot of people being at say 500K a year sounds like a lot of money and it is. When you have a growth mindset though, you just outgrow it. It's not even about the money. It's not that you're somehow saying, well, the money sucks because whatever, it's that the money is just the conduit or the portal to go through to take you to your next level and meet the version of you that's now created the seven. Like I get excited. I'm excited to meet the nine figure version of me. I don't know who she is, but I think she's probably a cool chick. I'm excited to meet her too. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, so totally. that's kind of the mindset I go into of like, oh yeah, like when I met my seven figure self, that was fun. When I met my eight figure self, that was pretty cool. And, and also weird because I didn't even know I'd hit eight figures because I don't even focus on the money anymore. I found out from my uh, financial advisor, he's like, so how does it feel to have an eight figure company? I'm like, what are you talking about? I didn't even know. I still don't know. They just send me messages all the time. Hey, you went up X percent this quarter, blah, blah, blah. Congratulations. I'm like, okay. And that can oh, sound God. flippant to people, right? But like, it's my claim to fame has always been to focus on helping people. It's not from a religious place, but I just, I know even for me, right? I wake up every morning and I have a prayer that I need answered. And that can be like a simple thing. Right now I'm looking for an accountant, right? So then when that person comes in, I'm like, oh my God, my prayer got answered. You're exactly who I've been looking for. We all have that every single day. It could be a hack about how to drink more water. And then you happen to stumble across an article. Thank God that person wrote that article about how to easily drink more water without feeling like, you know, like simple things and big things. So I've always been in the energy of how many prayers is the business going to answer today? And that's what moves me through the world. And so that's actually how we make the money that we do because we really are focused on service. And I think people can feel that. Hello, amazing, wonderful people. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. And if you are, could you please share this with someone who you really, truly think needs it or would enjoy listening to these type of podcast episodes? It would really mean the world to us. Our team works so hard on these episodes, and we really try to provide the most value we possibly can for our listeners. So a few ways that you can share is take a screenshot of this episode and share it into Instagram. We would love to tag you in our stories. And a few other ways is sharing exactly what you loved about this episode and what truly made an impact in your life. And one last thing, if you are enjoying this podcast episode, if you could leave a review for us, that would be everything. It really does help our podcast. And it also helps other beautiful, wonderful people find our podcast as well. So thank you so much much and let's get back to the show and every all the copy and it's like from the people you hire to everything like every little thing and it really if you start with the foundation of yourself doing that then it, it ripples it ripples through everything yeah I absolutely so you know here we are now with the podcast connector and i have a vision for it right i want it to be more than just podcasting nothing wrong with podcast guesting of course 
it's very important. And I know we're going to chat about that more today because I have some cool Absolutely. strategies, right? But uh, I, I'm i a natural connector. I know you are as well, Freya. And um, so I can't help it. My, my brain, as soon as I meet people or as soon as I hear an idea, I'm like, who needs to know this? Who who do I need to connect this person to? <laughs> you know, all, all the things. And so I want to fill the gaps of the things that I'm currently looking for, actually, that I can't seem to find anyone to help with. One is is a very uh, proprietary way that I like to do collaborations that feel really good for people and have kind of like a connection zone, I guess you could say, or a collaboration zone, but because we're calling it the podcast connector, right? It was interestingly already named that before I bought it. But I want to have a place where people can kind of, I don't mean speed network in this kind of way we're used to, but in a very heart-centered way, let's come together and share resources and pack up and do all that kind of stuff. And, um, and I also want to expand people's influence and really help move them. You know, really what we're good at is moving people out of expert into authority. But I really want to now invite in the opportunity to move from authority to influencer. Because you can be an authority and not ne- necessarily an influencer. And I don't mean influencer in this whole, you know, buy my special sugar-free juice kind of stuff and use this coupon code. I'm talking about like really influencing big things on the world stage and influencing massive waves of change, let's say in the online marketing world or in the publishing world or whatever, right? And so that's kind of the trajectory of the company. I'm really excited about that. Amazing. And so if I was someone, if I was your perfect client and I came to you, how would you explain the podcast connector to me without having any idea what it was? Awesome. Well, we book thought leaders on aligned podcasts so what that means is well we guarantee bookings so uh, because i'm of the philosophy having paid a lot of pr companies and there's a lot of people that don't want to guarantee things it's like well if you don't believe in my brand or you don't think i'm positioned well then surely you don't need to take my money and pitch me to one tv show in a 12-month period and charge me sixty thousand dollars kind of thing right and there are companies out there like that so having had good experiences and not so great experiences in my own pr journey I said, you know what? We know how to pitch. We shouldn't be taking clients on that we don't feel that we can really pitch well. And so we should be able to put a guarantee behind that. And so instead of you just paying for pitches, because that doesn't mean anything, I can pitch you to an insurance company, which is of zero value to you, but I can sell in the books. But will I pitch you, Drea? Because there are a lot of companies that do that, right? And I know that because I get these pitches and I know when I receive pitches for my podcast, I know damn well that agent has not at all researched my show and they don't even care. Like you can feel the vibe of it. They're just like, well, I just got to get this insurance broker on some shows and surely Jennifer will have this insurance. Well, why would I have an insurance broker on my podcast? It makes no sense to do that, right? Or, you know, any host of things. But point is we guarantee bookings. So that means that we only take on clients that we believe we can do right by them and and be able to promise what or like deliver what we promise. And because, you know, we, you and I talked about um, human design, right? For anyone listening, I'm a 6'2 generator, which means that I have very high standards of care. Uh, some would say I'm quite uh, picky, but I would just say, no, I have standards of excellence. And I, I know what it, I still am in the lens of being a client, I guess, right? When I bring on clients into the company, I'm still on in their mindset of like, what are they going to be looking for, right? So we get to work, we, you know, do, we meet with you, we come up with a strategy, we come up with some creative ways to pitch you so that 
people will say yes because some shows and you know this Drea, like i mean if you're getting hundreds of pitches a week how am i going to help you stand out as my client right i can't just be pitching vanilla stuff i have to be creative which means that i have to be a you know a critical thinker and i have to like be resourceful and stuff like that and i have to know what a host would be looking for and i can't just say hey this person wants to come on and talk about your book i don't know if you've had any of those pitches yet those are the ta- one of the tackiest ones. I used to get them a lot from like the Hay House um, representatives and stuff. Not the authors, but the people representing them. So-and-so just wrote a book. They want to come on your show and talk about your book. Okay, and how are you adding value to my audience? I have to take care of my audience, right? They're not going to keep listening to the show if I'm just doing a pitch fest all the time. But like, great, you've got a book. They will buy your book, but I need to know what you're going to pour into the audience so that, that it inspires them to want to buy your book, right? So some of these bigger names, actually, it's not so much of them, it's who represents them. They often don't know what they're doing. And, um, and someone like me that, you know, I'm going to be discerning about how I have who I have on my show. I'd much rather have an up and coming person on my show that's going to pour value into my audience so that I'm getting messages being like, oh my God, that guest was amazing. Can you have them back on? I learned so much. Well, you know, because it's our time, right? We all got like right now, all of you are spending time here. You could be doing anything else with this time. You're giving us the gift of your time and allowing us to pour into you. We've got to respect that, right? So that's my philosophy. So to that end, I will actually give you some hot tips about how to make six or seven figures just from podcast guesting because I know we're going to chat about that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious though, how how have you seen the podcast market evolve? since you've been in it because you've been in it for a few years now yeah or I, I don't know how long and and I'm, I'm sure you've just seen the crazy evolution happen yeah when I I used to have online radio shows and then those I mean they still exist but podcasting kind of became a thing and I think podcasting was born you know again keep in mind I'm an OG in this space which is kind of funny to say because I feel like I've been at this for 10 years but it's been 20 uh, when I first came into online the online marketing world teleseminars were like the most innovative thing and then just like any trend we see in the online marketing world, reels, we, you know, whatever, doesn't mean they're bad. It's just that they bubble eventually because everyone starts to do them. And so everyone started doing teleseminars because they were effective, because you added value. You might do a teleseminar like, hey, here's the five biggest blocks to attracting clients. Sign up today. And people would sign up and you'd do an audio conference on usually instant teleseminar or equivalent. People would get the recording and at the end you would do a pitch. You'd be seeding your offer throughout and then you'd do a pitch. But because so many people started doing teleseminars, then someone said, you know what? Is, on top of that, um, teleseminar directory started popping up so people could pay to list their teleseminar. But then so many people, there were just so many teleseminars, not unlike Clubhouse. Remember when Clubhouse was good until it bubbled and then oh, you yeah. just got lost in the sea of whatever. So imagine that sweet spot before Clubhouse bubbled that's what was happening in the teleseminar world. And then there were so many because people, of course, were teaching courses about how to, you know, do an effective sell- a teleseminar that you could make six figures from and all this stuff. Then telesummits were born because they were efficient. Someone said, hey, if we're all running teleseminars, why don't we just do a, an extravaganza, basically, and bring 20 of us together and all focus around a particular topic? So then teleseminars or telesummits became the big deal. And it was a big deal if you got invited to those because it was... It was the OGs at the time that were creating those. Those were all seven and eight bigger CEOs at the time. And so when you got invited to be a speaker at a telesummit, it was a big deal, right? 
And then, of course, I joke, they became the shoulder pads of the online marketing world, right? And people were like, oh, my God, tell us how that's wrong. I just want to be at in-person conferences. And then people are like, I don't want to be at in-person conferences anymore. I don't want to run to the back of the room anymore. But the, the Telesummit, anyways, kind of evolved into a podcast. Because if you think about it, a podcast is still a collaboration. You, as the host, are absorbing the time, money, and energy commitment to, to invite people to your boardroom table. You're building the audience. You're building the platform. This is your boardroom table. You're saying, hey, I'm going to allow you to borrow my audience and pour value into them. Please be cool and please add some value. And in exchange, I will allow you to do this. Share your event, share your freebie, whatever. And essentially, if you look at it just from a business case, it's it's a list building venture. It's more than that. But the virtual handshake is, hey, you're agreeing to let me be in front of your audience to share what I feel might be of value. And then I'm now going to take this interview and share it with my community. And there's going to be a ton of people that go, oh my God, I didn't even know this woman, Drea. She's amazing. Oh my God, I'm going to subscribe to her podcast. I'm going to download her freebie. I'm going to follow her on all the socials. Oh my God, I'm going to like her TikTok videos. Oh my God, there, you know, all the things, right? And and that's, you know, a collaboration. It's just, an, it's a great collaboration because it actually is of high service. It's all about answering prayers, right? It starts at that very high level of how can I be of service to you? And um, and when people are cool about it and they come on your show not to get, but to contribute, they're going to receive anyways, right? And that's where you kind of now see that line where there's some people that just want to come on shows and take and really be pimpy or give minimal information and keep constantly saying, well, I, I go into that more in my course. You'll have to sign up. You know, it's like, just come on, just give some tips, please, right? And um, the other interesting thing that's shifted is that there's a lot more pay to play in the online or in the podcast world. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Pay to play has been around for a long time. You can pay to play for media. That's actually not a good thing, by the way, because it once you get earned media, they actually can't take you on anymore because they want to interview journalists, want to interview people based on the merit of their thought leadership. And then once they find out you pay it actually gets you disinvited to, let's say, Today Show and things like that, right? Or other big publications. But pay, like I've paid to play on speaking gigs. And I, you know, when you're walking away with multi six figures in cash received from an event and then whatever other, you know, like I don't have a problem doing that because that putting on a conference, massive expense. Most people lose mm -hmm. money. I know people that have lost 500K plus. In putting on in-person events because of room blocks that didn't get filled or weird contract snafus that you know what i'm saying like it's it's a big risk when people put on conferences and so i don't i don't mind kind of contributing to that it's no different than contributing to a summit or you know whatever anyways but the other thing is too i mean there's some big podcasts out there that no, they don't tell you that they have their guest pay i have an issue with that because if i'm a listener i want to know that that person's on there because they were invited because of their wisdom not because they paid you to be on there but that being said, I get it. If you've got a really popular show and you're getting thousands of pitches a week, thousands, how else do you weed people out unless you say, okay, if you really want to be on my show that bad, then put your money where your mouth is. I'm not hmm. saying it's good or bad, but I can see I can see why people do that, right? And then on top of that, if you've spent time, money, and energy building an audience so that you have like a million unique downloads a month, there's value in that. It's not so cut and dry, but um, that's those are some of the changes. But I will say the good news is we definitely have seen 
a move towards shorter form content even before 2020 and definitely 2020 through I'll say 2022. People then were getting so bombarded with information they only wanted to ingest short form. By way of reading posts, you'll notice more people say, don't post long posts. I'm not going to, if I, if you make me scroll, I'm going to stop reading, right? And there's all kinds of, like, even I find with webinars, people just want quick and dirty. I find challenges now are changing, right? Meaning that three-day or five-day challenge model is changing. So people are, I'm calling it the DoorDash mentality where people are just wanting, they wake up, they're like, I want to learn how to go viral on TikTok. And that's why you would come to Drea. Right. But they're waking up. They're like, I want it. I've decided I'm going to do it today. I've got a three hour block. Do, 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 do. Yeah. They go on Google. They're like, oh, my God, I just found this course that I can be viral on TikTok and I'd be all set up in three hours. I've got three hours to research this. And they don't even care how much they pay for that. They've decided they want it now and they want it now. And that's this mentality. Right. Because the new shopping center is in the home. It's no longer out of the home anymore. So we're having a lot more impulse buying in the home. We want something now nothing wrong with that. That's just the social engineering of what's been happening, right? But the one yeah. form of social media or of content creation that people will ingest long form is podcasts. Some people huh. will listen to a podcast, like one episode for up to like two and a half hours, depending on the podcast, right? There's yeah. the, the true crime people. They'll listen to that shit all day. They'll be like, oh my God, please tell me more detail about this murder that's already really graphic. Thank you. Please no more detail, right? And they're like right in there for two and a half hours, three hours. Uh, and then other shows, you know, I find the shows that are, are shorter. I mean, unless it's a solo cast and someone's treating it like a micro masterclass, like you're kind of just getting started. What is it when you've got a guest and it's 20 minutes, it does feel a little bit too promotional. Like you are you really getting into something enough where I feel like the show title matches my experience when I've been listening, right? But your show, for example, like that sweet spots, I think 45 minutes to maybe even up to 90 minutes, depending. Because people are listening to it in their car. They want to be listening to something in their car on the commute or when they're working out or when they're cleaning. Even for me, I like listening to podcasts when I'm reading emails and stuff. I want to be learning while I'm taking care of stuff that doesn't really require the same mental, I'll say, focus, right? And of course, being, being a generator, I am, you know, energizer bunny, right? I've got to be multitasking all the time. So podcasting is still really effective. And um, there's a lot of creative things people do, like podcast swapping and, you know, all the things, right? And it, it's it's so interesting to me. And we see this even with social media. Before it was a thing, it's now a whole industry. A whole industry has been yeah. born. People now are certified to be online marketers and certified to be online business managers and certified to be funnel strategists. And like, it's the professionalization of social media and podcasting, yes, kind of falls in that, but then you've got the professionalization of podcasting. You've got the people that edit your podcast, the people that will help you market it. So it becomes a top 10 podcast. You've got the people that will book guests on your behalf and the people that will get you booked on shows like yours, right? And, and everything in between. So uh, we see this a lot in the online world, right? That it, it, once an industry becomes professionalized, you're not going to see it disappear because there's too much money and there's too much of an infrastructure and an ecosystem essentially, right? For it to disappear. Yeah. And, it's, and as far as podcast guesting goes, you guys generate, what is it, 500000 to $1 million per year and you help well, people I do Well, I personally the same. do, right? In my yeah, business okay. as, as a mentor, yeah. essentially, right? I'm an eight-figure mentor to you know, conscious CEOs and among yeah. many other crazy things that I do. 
So when I go on a podcast guest for my other or podcast guest for my other business, I can track it very easily. So there's a few things you can do. One is, I mean, it's a little bit of work. So you definitely want to have a VA or someone on your team to help you with this. But you already know in advance what shows you're going to be on. Use unique coupon codes for whatever it is that you're marketing. Even if it's only free stuff, you still want to give some sort of special link that's very unique to that show. Because I know, Dre, I know you love numbers. It, I mean, really, at some point, we have to be savvy yeah. and know our numbers. So this allows us to make informed decisions because you know, let's say you go on TED podcasts that are supposed to be aligned to your market and you, you reasonably assume. And then you go on these 10 podcasts and you get to see from all of those, oh, we got a thousand opt-ins from that being on that podcast. How are we going to deal with this? If it was me, I'd be sending that host some sort of very special gift to thank them. I'd probably be giving them extra shout outs on social media, resharing the episode constantly and doing something like, hey, um, why don't you tune into the show that thousands of people downloaded my free blah, blah, blah on because I gave away such and such on this show find out why so many people were inspired to, you know, a thousand people were inspired to download my free gift about blah, blah, blah. There's all kinds of ways you can spin it, right? But having unique tracking codes allows you to make informed decisions because the, all, the other thing is like, let's just say you go on 10 podcasts and you pull all the data together and you go, wow, we had three downloads for my freebie. But all of these shows have, you know, 40,000 unique downloads a month and they've been aired. Is people love to download freebies from podcasts and the freebies are in the show notes and stuff, right? So that's just information. We don't need to make ourselves wrong for that, but most people don't know that. What I would infer from that is, huh, there's probably some refinement of my freebie that I need to do. Maybe the, maybe I didn't explain it well enough. Maybe I, it wasn't compelling enough. Like it doesn't mean it's bad. It's probably a great freebie. It's just that maybe the way I explained it wasn't compelling enough to download it. Maybe the title just didn't really match what I thought I was getting. Or maybe the freebie isn't as yummy as I think it is. Because we've all had that experience, right? Where someone's promised us the world, we download the freebie and you're like, thank you for the one page PDF where 35 or like three quarters of it was just your bio. And then you had a little quote in it. Thank, thanks for that, right? Like, And so there can be a lot of reasons, but I'd be looking at that. And then additionally, I'd also be looking at, are these even aligned audiences? Am I even speaking to the people that make sense, right? But it's all just information that allows us to ask better questions. So that's the first tip. Make sure we're tracking these. It's, it's a, a, a little smidge of work. It's really nothing, right? Especially if you have a team that's not pushing back on you and they're like, yes, of course, we can create these links for you. And and whatever, and get you those links, for example, in advance, right? So that you have that information. But I know people that have added almost $2 million a year from doing about, what would that be? Um, I think they did like 50 podcasts in the year. So that's basically what, like, can't even do the math, four, four, four-ish podcasts a month, which is nothing. That's about <laughs> what I have time to do is four podcasts in a reason month. And so imagine that if you do 50 podcasts, and just from podcast guesting, this isn't all the other sales. This is immediate. They found you on the podcast and you made almost $2 million speaking about what you already love to speak about, building a relationship with the host. Also, all the other leads that have come in to your world that maybe haven't bought from you right away. That's okay. You're still building relationship with them. Clearly, if you're making that kind of money, you're impressing the host, you're likely going to get invited back and or because it's a small community, the other hosts are going to be like, hey, have you heard about Drea? You need to have her on your show. 
She is the most amazing guest. I cannot say enough about her. Good. Would you like me to do a warm intro between you and Drea? There's all kinds oh. of things that happen, right? And not to mention, like, actually, the person I bought the podcast connector from, this is a funny story, but it just illustrates the point, right? I went on, I didn't know her. I went on her, I was pitched to her podcast. She checked me out and she's like, yeah, I'd love to have her on the show. But I didn't know that when she checked me out, she's like, I think she's meant to be my mentor. And after the end of the interview, I'm going to ask her if I can coach with her. So I wasn't expecting that. I never have expectations, right? I'm just always going on the reserve. So at the end of the interview, I, you know, not in a bad way, but I felt a little bit sort of um, like it, it, it wasn't jarring in a bad way, but like I just wasn't expecting it. And so I was probably tripping over my words and stuff. But she became a client. She's like, I just, can you send me a contract today and a payment link and we'll get started today? I'm like, okay. And so that was a few years ago. And this is a high level client, right? So I don't want to give away too much, but let's just say already she has invested multiple six figures herself in my company. That's not even who she's referred to me. And many of those people have stepped into very high level masterminds with me and so on. So just that one interview, not even viewing, and I never view any host as a client, but I can't tell you the amount of times that hosts have become my clients because I'm, they get to see me in action. They have a relationship with me. I'm adding value you know, all the things, right? Uh, but I have, it, it usually is pretty immediate when it, I think it's one on, well, for product-based businesses, this will be true too, but it's pretty immediate. You're pretty much going to know right away if that podcast was performing. And when people have come into my world and they're like, I just heard you on such and such podcast. I knew I needed to work with you. How can I work with you? Or they've already paid for something or whatever, right? It, it's pretty instant feedback. I, and it's not even perfect. There'll be more people that it came, have come from podcasts that I won't even know have come from podcasts. So I use myself as an example, but anyone can do this. And it, it really is a matter of making sure you have a good freebie that's super easy to call out. So you don't want to have the bit.ly dot dot seven six, but you know, like you've got to have something that's like forward, like your website forward slash quiz, forward slash money, forward slash video, forward slash whatever, right? Because when people are at the gym and they don't have a pen, or they're in their car or whatever, and they're not likely going to go back, even if they intend to, to listen to the episode, that's, that's easy to remember. So that's already a win for you. Yes, it's in the show notes. And yes, the host will encourage people to go to the show notes. But um, you just never know. You want to have a very strategic plan about how to leverage that interview after it's done. Because the cool thing about podcasting that's different than you going on the Today Show for a four-minute segment or whatever like that's great. And there, there's a benefit to doing major media, but those interviews get buried in the news cycle because the news cycle is just always going on a podcast. You know, it, it's possible that someone will find our interview today, five years from the day we recorded it and still want to be following up with you or me or however that works. Right. And so on top of that, my point is when we share a freebie, we want to make sure that it's something that we're kind of willing to be married to for a little bit. And you, you know, one of yeah. your core freebies that um, that you stand behind because if someone finds that interview in five years, and many people do, two years out, three years out, five years out, whatever, um, you still want that link to work. You still want that freebie to exist. Some people create freebies all out the wazoo, and I get that. But what's a freebie that you can be sharing on podcasts that kind of has some longevity that if someone finds it in five years and wants to download it? Because we all know when we download a freebie and we get a 404 page, there's all kinds of assumptions we make that aren't even true. 
that that person's not in business anymore. That person lied to me and said I was getting a free gift and I did it. You know, like whatever people are thinking, it doesn't mean any of it's true. But we know how it feels to to be the one opting in. We also know on the receiving end, by the way, right? When someone tells us they got a 404 arrow on our freebie and we're like, oh my God, no, I promise I have a free gift for you. So um, that's a little tip, building relationship with the host uh, because you just never know. Ask them, what other shows are cool that you think I should be on? Do you happen to know any hosts that are looking for people like me? And additionally, be in the mindset of give, give, get. Like, what can I give to you? Who can I bring to you? What resources can I bring to you? What extra promotion can I do of your show or of your free event you've got coming up or anything? Like be a contributor, not not a taker, which I know none of you are because you just wouldn't be here if you were a taker because I know, Drea, you attract really cool people. So yeah, totally. <laughs> is, and is that is that where the, the four core elements come in for your business? Because I know you teach something called the four core elements. That's a little bit different. But what I, yeah, in my other business, I talk about the four core elements of cons- the anatomy of consistent six-figure months, right? And so okay. without going too, too much into it, but yeah, it does feed into it, right? Like we have to have a client attraction ecosystem and then we have to have a client retention ecosystem because the majority of a business's money is going to be in continuing to sell the people that are already buying from you, right? They want to keep buying from you. That's the easiest way to make money in a business. Uh, and then we want to have a recurring revenue ecosystem. Most people do not have that. And they start every month going, oh, my God, I've got to make X amount of sales this month just to pay my team or just to pay my rent. It's like, well, let's let's get an ecosystem established for you so that you can make different business decisions because you already know what your baseline is going to be every month. And then we have to have this, right? We have to have, I'll say, an authority positioning ecosystem, which is beyond marketing and stuff, right? Because... If you think about if if I'm the authority in my industry, which I am in my other business, people are sold on me. I don't have to do the selling. People come into my inbox all the time and say, hey, I want to work with you. Here's my budget. Do you have anything within this budget that we can work together with? That's a fun way to make sales, right? Not that I view that as a sale, but I think you get what I mean. Um, <laughs> and so when we're moving from expert to authority, we it, it totally changes. You as an expert, you still have to kind of convince people that you know what you're talking about. When you're an authority, you don't have to say anything. Your presence, your beingness, the way you carry yourself, your the circles that you're seen in, the sort of some of the other platform building you do as an as an authority, all speaks for for itself. And you get different invitations, client attractions easier, and authority building happens very quickly when you're borrowing other people's audiences. If you want incremental growth, by the way you know, just keep flinging stuff out on social media. If you want exponential growth, but you don't want to, because there's two ways to grow, right? You can spend money to expand your influence or you can use your sweat equity. I'm a big fan of using sweat equity more so than spending money, but that's just me and sort of my background. So for like this guy I was telling you about, four hours a month, essentially, right? You've made $2 million borrowing other people's audiences. Are you willing to spend four hours a month, six hours a month going on highly curated shows, of course, right? We have to make sure that there's not 100 listeners, like nothing wrong with 100 listeners. I just mean that, you know, the, the more downloads, you're kind of looking at different audiences here. We put people on good audio or good, good podcasts, high performing podcasts. And for a few hours a month, you just go and speak about what you love. You can speak about it with your eyes closed because you know your stuff. You're staying in your lane. And it translates, right? Even just in an interview, you can tell whether someone knows what they're talking about or not, whether they're really embodied or whether they're just parroting a bunch of knowledge that they read in some book. 
and we all know that feeling, right? And you, it's 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 a texture of energy. It's hard to describe it, but it's like you can tell whether someone knows their stuff or not. So when we focus on authority positioning, that's when your energy essentially and your beingness does the heavy lifting for you. You barely have to market. Nothing wrong with marketing, right? But you just won't have to feel like a full-time marketer anymore. You won't have to feel like it's two steps forward, one step back. You won't feel like things have to be hard. You won't feel like you're constantly throwing money at problems. Because the thing is, if you think about it, think about how much money is thrown at problems like courses and mentors and stuff because everyone wants more clients, but they keep throwing money at the wrong things. If you're positioned as an authority, you don't actually have to invest in any of that again because people come to you. You get to save a lot of money by being an authority. Yeah, which is what podcast guesting yeah. automatically well, yeah. does. Yeah, not only do you save the money, but you're right. Yeah, then you also make money from that. Yeah. And for someone that wants to find the right podcast for themselves and they want to convert listeners into their offers, obviously hiring your company would be probably the best step. But aside from that, what can people do? Where can people go to find that? Well, we have what's called the Ultimate Pitching Toolkit, which I think you're going to be sharing with everyone. And, yeah. um, and we've been told by a lot of people that we should charge money for it. And I, and I do believe that, but I do gift giving truly is my love language to receive love. Acts of service are my thing. My husband's amazing at that. But when I show love, it's actually through gift giving. So I really like mm -hmm. to add a lot of value in my freebies. And, and what we do in there is we give you a roadmap of, okay, how are you, where, what research are you going to do? Like what shows are you going to go after? How do you need to prepare for all of this stuff? But then we give you our actual pitching template, like sample pitches and pitch decks and stuff and other technology and things that you need, right? Like links to that kind of stuff so that you can go do it on your own. What's going to happen is, and some people will do it on their own and maybe they'll delegate it to their VA and that's okay. We just want you on shows. We don't need you to become a customer if you don't feel aligned. What'll happen for the most part, what happens to me anyways, because I'm really, like I really value my time. I'll, I'll read this kind of stuff and I'll have all the greatest intention of doing it. And then I go, oh, my time. I need my time back. And then I delegate it, right? I find who can I delegate this to. So for people that are already um, valuing their time, they're going to tend to, it, whether it's our company or someone else's, right? They're going to tend to want to hire someone to do this for them, even though they can. Of course, we're all capable of doing it. And then additionally, um, if you do it on your own and then you find that it's still not quite converting, you're spending, you know, you shouldn't be spending 20 hours pitching every month and getting one yes. Like if you're spending 20 hours, I, I don't even want you spending 20 hours pitching. Please don't do that. But if you're spending like 10 hours pitching and you're getting one yes or no yeses, that's a good indication that you're probably, there's some refinement there that you might as well just invest a little smidge like we're a very affordable service right most of these services are it's frankly just better it's better for your brand too right because if if this is how people are receiving you they're clearly not responding to your pitch it can reflect badly on your brand without you even knowing it because there's probably something happening where it's not landing you either don't sound like you know what you're talking about or you might even be offending the host Sometimes yeah. I, I don't get offended easily, but there's times I get pitches and there's that a little bit of annoyance, like hmm, you didn't do your research kind of thing. Right. And so that can be another reason why people are not saying yes. And it's not because you're a bad person. It's just, you know, there's like I said, it's just it's it's refining things. It's not like overhauling things and 
you know, your intention is good. But also if you're going to approach someone like me, who's very energetically sensitive, I can feel <laughs> energy behind an email. I can feel, even if you tell me all the right things, but I, all I feel is a massive taking, grabbing energy in your pitch. It's a no, it's just going to be an automatic no. If I really feel like your heart is in it and you genuinely want to serve, I recognize, of course, you're wanting to be borrowing my know, like, and trust right? Because that's what we do. That's what I'm doing on your podcast. I'm borrowing the no like, and trust that you've already established. And that's why conversions are higher. It's yeah. the same with you going on an in-person stage and being one of the keynotes, right? You're just going to convert better because you're already positioned as an authority. You're borrowing someone else's no like, and trust. And then on top of that, people get to spend an hour with you as an example. So they really get to feel whether they like you or not and whether they think you're the person that can help them. So it's such an efficient way to sell without ever having to sell. And what are some of the mistakes? Like we, we were kind of talking about some of the mistakes that people are making. What are the biggest mistakes that you see when people are pitching or even trying to monetize through someone well, else's audience? A, from a pitching perspective, you really want to research the host, right? Like it's their show. It's their baby. Some people are very passionate and rightly so about their show. Like it's their baby. You know, if you imagine, you know, for example, there's a woman that... Um, she went through breast cancer. So she created a podcast to help other women. So she's going to be really like her podcast is her baby. Her community is her family. And if you're pitching her going, hey, so I'll use my name. Hey, Jennifer, I love your show. I'd love to come on and talk about, you know, how to balance your hormones by eating asparagus three times a day. I'm making that up. I don't even know, right, if that's a yeah. thing. But something where, you know, what's going to land better is being like, hey, Jennifer, oh my goodness, I was so moved to read the story about how you even created this podcast. It would be a complete honor for me to be able to come on your show if that feels aligned, because I would love to add value to your audience in this way. There's probably some other things we can talk about, but I would just so love to be a part of this heartfelt project that you've created. You know, I look forward to hearing that kind of thing. Alternately, do some research. It takes two minutes, right? Let's just say, like, Drea, what do you, do you love animals? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. So do you have an animal that you're really passionate about that you might even talk about on a video or post about or something? My cat, Kyle. Okay. So you've got Kyle and Kyle's your cat and he's your baby. So I apologize, Drea, because you're probably going to get a lot of pitches now when I say this, but I'm going to do it anyways. So um, a pitch that would work would be like, Drea, oh my goodness, you know, Kyle has to be the cutest cat I've ever seen in my entire life. It is so clear that you love that little nugget. And, uh, and I don't blame you because if he wasn't with you, I would want to just scoop him up and eat that little nose face off of him or so like whatever you're going to say, right? Like something cute and endearing. That's something I would say because I'm adorable. I love it. But like, I really love animals too, right? And so let, but even they'll say you're a horse person. Oh my goodness, you know, I noticed you were a horse person and uh, I don't know if you've heard of this company, but oh my goodness, I love them so much. Or I took, you know, or here's a picture of my horse or like something that's rapport building, that's heartfelt though. It has to be heartfelt. And for all of you that are listening that are now going to call or email Drea saying, hey, Kyle, <laughs> right? Like you're going to feel whether that's sincere, right? But that's an important thing for you. So if someone's taken the time to get to know you and acknowledge something important to you, right, that's already at least getting your attention. Now, again, if it's not sincere, it's going to be a quick delete that email or you might even tell them where to go fly a kite kind of thing, right? Depends on your mood and like how how they do it. Do it. But then I could be like, hey, you know what? 
I noticed that you you know you don't just love Kyle, you really love your audience. And I have I wonder if you think it would be valuable for your audience to hear about such and such. I'd love the opportunity to come on and pour some value into your audience about this topic and, you know, some sort of other pleasant sign off. And there you go. That kind of stuff's gonna land way better. Or if I say, oh my goodness, Drea, I listened to episode 22. My jaw was on the floor. When you shared that story about do, 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 I can't believe that happened to you. Or I can't believe you created that. Or, oh my goodness, how did you even have the strength to get through that? Or, you know, whatever you might have shared in episode 22. And then I'm going to, you know, share something about how I want to come on. But if it's clear to you that, oh, I'm actually a listener, I've listened to your show, I've taken an opportunity to see A, B, and C about you, then I at least have your attention. It doesn't mean it's going to be a yes, because I then might pitch you something ridiculous. Like, I want to come on and talk about, you know, I don't know, whatever. Like, how to how to punch holes in paper, right? You'd be like, that's not valuable to my audience. This is all about whatever, right? So, um, but at least I have your attention. And then, of course, if I'm really paying attention and doing my research on your show and seeing the kind of guests you have on and the kind of topics you cover, I'm going to be looking for where the gap is, right? Oh, you haven't covered this yet. Would you think that would be a value? Yeah. And so how could a host like me help my guests be more effective in sharing my audi- my own audience? Like once you've done the show and you want them to yeah. share it? That's a great question. So because a lot of hosts don't feel like they can require much of the guests. They feel like, oh, I had them on and I have to be a gracious host. They came over to have high tea with me in my living room. And so, you know, they they serve me. No, like this, you absorb a cost, right? People don't realize like, you know, you're looking at a minimum $250 production cost for every episode, right? So there's an actual physical expense to having people on your show. And it's, of course, you're wanting to do it. And of course, there's all the business case and stuff, right? But it's okay to require people to share the show. And in fact, well, there's a lot of ways you can start with just an application and the application before people even get booked, you can be asking them things like, if we decide to have you on the show, uh, how many emails will you send? How many social media posts will you make? How many other uh, experts will you refer to the show? How, or whatever, you can put in whatever you want in there, right? That weeds a lot of people out because if someone's a taker, they're going to be like, screw her. I'm not going on a show. She even wants me to share the show. God. Right. Like, meanwhile, when everyone knows that it's whatever. Um, so, you can do some pre-work with people. You can be like, hey, I'm so excited. I'm on the show. I wanted to pop in with this quick email to let you know some of the setup you might want to have so that we can really ensure amazing sound quality because if people have listener fatigue, they're going to tune out of your episode anyways. And I want us to, I want my audience to stay with your episode the whole time because I know you're bringing so much value. You might even ask them to confirm. Do you, like the other day, I had to kick someone off one of my podcasts. You cannot go into an echoey closet with no headset and all I'm hearing is my own voice when you've done enough podcasts to know what sound quality should be like, right? Like, it's not, I wasn't mad at them, but I'm like, you know, this, people are going to tune out there. It's called listener fatigue, right? And people get, and it can happen very quickly. So, you know, you can educate people on how to show up and be a good guest. You can educate people on your audience and you can send them questions in advance if you want and say, hey, I'm going to ask you these questions. Please be prepared to answer them. You can, um, well, I mean, people have done all kinds of things. They've even, I, I got asked actually last week on a podcast, they um, kept me after and they said, well, there's four parts to this podcast. And the fourth part is we're going to offer you an invitation to come and coach with us, meaning like I would be their client. 
And um, that was interesting. That was an interesting experience. Of course, I was gracious. and But in my head, I thought, oh, is this a bait and switch? Are you only going to air the episode if I pay you a lot of money to be your client, right? I do not like that stuff, by the way. And I know you wouldn't do it if any of you are doing no it. Bless you. I hope it's working for you. I hope it, it feels aligned. Um, I don't know what your conversions are going to be for that. Uh, it's not... I'm much more about knock on my front door when you knock on my side door or my back door, which is what that was. Uh, when no. I have a perfectly clear welcome sign on my front door and says knock here, then it actually tells me that it's a character issue. If you if you feel the only way you can get me to buy from you is knocking on my back door, which is where burglars go, right? If someone's going to burgle yeah. your home, they're not knocking on your front door. They're knocking on your back door. It's a creepy feeling. So I do not recommend that, but your business if any of you are doing that which i doubt you are what a weird way to start a relationship it's so weird Uh. people do that on summits too by the way if they'll ask you you know they'll ask you to do a pre-interview to go on their summit and then they magically pitch you some big sponsorship package or they pitch you to be a client or something it's like oh okay so you weren't actually needing to see if i was going to be a good guest you (laughs) just wanted to sell me something right that's that's just gross to me but again i'm a 6-2 generator so my standard of care is a little bit different uh, yeah. So then, but after you can, um, you know, prep them, your interview is going to be ready on such and such a time. And thank you so much for agreeing to share. In the meantime, while we're waiting for your episode to air, here's a quick, easy link for you to rate, um, rank and subscribe to the show because this helps other people find our show. Uh, please leave us a review because this helps more people find our show so we can help more people. And, you know, maybe you're going to ask them if they know of any shows, any hosts that would be open to having you on. You know, maybe you're just, maybe you just really had a good relationship with them and you're going to want to carry it on because maybe you want to collaborate on some other things, right? But whether you're a host or whether you're a guest, it's always good to stay in touch with hosts because you just never know what projects each other's working on and how you can help each other, yeah. right? And so when you come in it from a contributing energy versus uh, a taking energy, that stuff's really easy to do. And and then, yeah, then you, of course, uh, send them all the promotional material and then guide them on how to do it. It's usually someone's team that's going to do it anyways, right? Please tag me on Instagram with this, or we did this easy clip for you, or here's the social media graphic that kind of thing. And then additionally, because we want to level them up too in advance, of course, and some some guests are not good with this and it's not a, it's not good guest etiquette to make someone beg you for their bio, headshot, and freebie because they want to promote you and they shouldn't have to chase you for that stuff because then at some point they're just going to not do it and then you as the guest is missing out on the opportunity of having all that stuff listed on YouTube and Spotify and like Apple and wherever else it's going to be uploaded, right? A lot of it's just common courtesy, honestly, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and as far as your company goes, so the podcast connector. So what's next? What's the impact that you guys want to make and um, in the and aim to make in the podcasting industry moving Ooh, forward? I feel like I'm on 2020 with Barbara Walters. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Is that even still That's a show? Great. I joke a lot. I love well, it. Well, right now we're we're in talks uh, with acquiring a few competitors, right? Because from a scaling perspective, we were talking about that before. There's a few ways to scale a company, but if you want to scale a company quickly and reach a lot of people, then acquiring companies, you know, I'm not. It's not hostile takeover. These are people that really are with love, wanting to step away from their company and move on to other things, right? So the, these are active like these are people are, that are choosing this and they want to have some a good steward for their you know whoever's going to take over 
And, um, and so with that from a business perspective, that's just a very quick way of um, scaling very quickly, right? There's other ways to scale, but that's a very quick way to scale. And we are going to be adding the connection zone, which is a, a higher level strategic networking slash collaboration thing with people that are at a certain level of influence and, and income in their business, because we do like to have uh, highly curated groups, right? To be able to expand our influence quickly. And we recognize, for those of us that are collaborators, right? We just, it's just in our nature. We appreciate that kind of stuff. And I can say that a big part of why I'm here is because I've had really great collaborative partners over the years, borrowing other people's audiences, so to speak, whether it's their email list or their podcast or someone or whatever, uh, as they have with mine as well. And um, we're also going to be getting into commercials, actually. I'm astounded Amazing. at how shitty some of these advertising companies are. And if you're listening and this is you, I'm okay with this. I'm happy to have a public discussion with you, actually, because how dare you take people's money to advertise on podcasts and run it at the end of the show when it's being overridden by the out like the out or outro, I should say, of the show. So maybe the outro on your show is thanks for listening to the Lion Empire podcast, blah, blah, blah. And then the commercial's running at the same time and nobody can hear the commercial. And people some people are paying like two to five thousand dollars a month to be aired on these big podcasts. And nobody's actually ensuring is this ad doing what it should be doing for the person that's paying good money. So there's a very um, proprietary way that we like to do that. We're going to be beta testing that in the fall just to make sure that we can do a good job by people or good job for people, right? And um, oh. that's, I mean, that's a lot, right? That's a lot going on. But we're we're going to stay in our lane too, right? Like we're a connection company. So we're going to connect people. We're going to connect people to podcasts. We're connecting people to speaking gigs as well, by the way, in person stages and, and things like that. But a lot of it, we that's why we bring in preferred partners. We don't, we're not trying to be an expert in everything. We're bringing in someone that knows how to help people get on TEDx stages and other big stages like that. We're bringing in publishing houses. That's the other thing we're, we're going to do though too, right? Like we want to be a full platform where if we're helping you build your authority, like what helps you build your authority? Having a show having a big talk, having a book, right? And these are all things I have a lot of experience with. So it kind of makes sense for us to do it because we already have, we already know how to do it, right? We already have the operations for it and the connections and things like that. But the, on a meta level, there's a lot of caca happening in the world. And there's a lot of people that need us, each one of us. We Each one of us holds the medicine, so to speak, to someone else's mess, if you want to look at it that way, right? Mm. We we all can help people in ways that whether they seem big or small, it doesn't matter. We're all here to help each other. And so the more of us that have our messages broadcast for people to find us, right, the quicker we can help people live their best lives and thrive in their best businesses and have their happiest relationships and feel like great parents and have you know, healthy bodies and like whatever else they're wanting for themselves in their day-to-day -day life and beyond. And so we, I mean, I don't care if someone wants to have us pitch them to, you know, Mormon podcast as an example. I'm not a Mormon, but it's not for me to decide that someone shouldn't be going on shows that speak to a Mormon audience. We haven't had that. I can't imagine based on how I speak in the world that I'm going to be attracting <laughs> that, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm not anti that. Like if you can help people in your community, awesome go nuts like yeah. we're, we're happy to help you we're not by yeah. the way additionally we do research people we're not you know going to be bringing people on that are like here's how to make sure your wife you know stays in line if you just use a broom <laughs> this size. like 
I know that sounds bad, but there, but no, there are shows out there yeah. that are really about how to get your quote unquote woman in line or how to, how to use corporal punishment with your kids without getting caught and stuff. Like there are people out there that go out and do that. We're clearly not going to be doing that. Uh, th this is all very high level stuff. This is all about being heart centered and really caring yeah. about people and, and being a positive contribution to society, essentially. And then as far as podcasting goes and just the rapid growth that podcast, the podcasting industry has seen, what do you see as the future for podcast guesting? I think it'll be interesting. I, I see that more and more people are going to pay to play. I do think it'll be a trend. And, you know, I mean, we we talk all the time about monetizing things. So why would that be any different? I think we'll see some evolution as far as different ways to collaborate. There'll be some more innovation, I think. I, I imagine AI will affect it as well. I mean, we probably, without realizing it, have listened to podcasts that are, are generated by AI. Uh, I, I think that's kind of going to be inevitable. It doesn't mean that podcasts will go away, though. It doesn't mean that us as humans will go away and people won't want to listen to these kind of conversations we're having. It's clear that this is an AI, right? It's just too organic for it to, to be AI. And I do think people, as much as AI is a contribution, I do think we uh, will crave that heart felt connection that we'll be able to feel right and we'll want real in engagement and stuff uh i think and like i said it's the industry is already professionalized so once it gets to this level of professionalization you're not going to see it go away you're just going to see it evolve a little bit okay. and then how should people how do you recommend people staying ahead of that curve well uh relation i mean everything about business is relationship right? And if I don't actually accept pitches on my show, that probably sounds counterintuitive, but I'm very, because I have a seven figure club podcast. So I have to know someone's at at least seven figures. I'm very, very choosy about who comes on my show. So any guests that are on my show, and I have a lot of guests are all invitation. And I'm not saying I'm anti-pitch. I mean, I just haven't had a pitch that's been compelling enough for me to go, you know what? You're a complete stranger, but I like, I like what you're up to enough that I'm actually going to invite you on my show. So I'm going to extend that as a challenge to everyone. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, and and I might change my position on that. But relationship building, I mean, that's why people get on my show. That's why I'm here with you. You and I spoke. We hit it off. We're now best friends. And kidding. we're now yeah. twins. Not really. <laughs> and, um, and so it's easier for you to feel good about me being on here with you, for example, because you know I'm not going to be delivering a bunch of fluff, to, for example, to your community that you really cherish. Right. And so relationship, regardless of what the business, I'll say marketing thing is that's going on, whether it's a summit, whether it's a podcast, whether you are creating products and you're wanting to have a product extravaganza and have a pop up, you know, group somebody type of vibe, like who knows what what's going to be created. Um, it all boils down to relationships. So if you're building relationship with key partners and people that are good collaborators and people that are compliment. I always look for people that are going to compliment what I do, right? So if I'm going to pitch myself to a podcast, I don't believe in competition, but I know some people do. And I think it's a lot easier for people to say yes when I'm a compliment to the work that they're doing, but I'm not a direct, you know, I'm not doing the exact same thing that they are. And alternately, I I'm happily have people on that talk about the same things as I do, but I also love to have people on that can speak about things that I have no desire to learn about, but I know are super important for my audience to be able to hear about. So that's the kind of stuff's not going to go away because a growth, a person with a growth mindset is always wanting to learn and grow. And 
podcasts when they're done well are basically like micro masterclasses or sometimes like full on masterclasses, right? Depending on the show. And so I don't see them going anywhere. Just keep sharpening your saw, keep sharing your wisdom, get clear on who your ideal client is and who has access to your ideal client. And for me, I feel like a lot of this is still going to be timeless business practice. I could be wrong yeah. uh, and I'm totally open for people to tell me, hey, here's where I, th I see it going. I do think it will evolve a little bit, but it is professionalized at this point, like I said. So once too many people are dependent upon an industry for survival, right? You've got podcast production companies, you've got podcast advertising companies, you've got platforms that host your podcast, you've got podcast booking agencies, you've got people that are teaching you how to have a number one podcast, you have, you know, just all of the things, right? There's there's too many types of businesses that contribute to the infrastructure of podcasting overall that I, I can't imagine it's going to go away. Yeah, definitely. I can totally see that as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, we're still human at the Look end at of the social day. Media. When I went onto social media, none of us knew how to post on Facebook because Facebook was the big thing. I was like, oh my God, Facebook is for teenagers. I'm going to be on Facebook. <laughs> Best decision I ever made, by the way, once I decided what do I want Facebook to be? How do I want to show up mm -hmm. on here? None of us knew what to do. And then eventually... We went from posting like famous people like Princess Diana to actually having our own quotes. And then it got too noisy. So then we had to have memes. And that's how memes were born with our little sayings on there. And then they had yep. to be prettier so they couldn't just be text. They had to have some sort of pretty graphic. I could show you some of mine from like 2011. Oh, my God, they're horrific. Like they're cute, <laughs> right? But I just go, oh, my God, that branding is awful. Oh, that's great. And then memes evolved into gifts right and people started doing that with their posts because we had to start making it pop and then facebook started creating those backdrop the colored backdrops so then we started using those so that people would you know in a scrolling environment would stop and read our post because it was basically like a banner and then we've seen facebook lives got born i'm just talking about facebook right and then uh and then reels and you know i could go on and on uh then there's hootsuite and all these other things that are automatic posting or like you get what i mean whatever you call them can't think of the word right now. Social media trainers, social media managers, on and on and on. It's too, social media is going nowhere because it's too professionalized. The online marketing world's going nowhere because, well, the home is the new new um, shopping mall anyways. But it's, there's too much of an infrastructure for, for it, it would really not, it would be detrimental, right, to the economy actually. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so what are three books that you could recommend to our audience? Whoa. Okay. Well, let's go with Rocket Fuel because that actually is a good book. Love it. And I do think it's important, especially for visionaries. And I imagine you have a lot of visionaries that are connected with you. Oh, yeah. Uh, I like some old school books. You know, the other book I like, actually, yeah, there's two other books. And I'm, I feel bad because I don't know the authors, but I know this is easy to Google. It's literally called The One Thing. And it's one of those books that you're going to keep going back and reading because it's, it's so good, especially for a generator like me. That's probably why it speaks to me because I've got mental load issues, right? I just want to do all the things and I don't have time to do all the things and my mind is just always like, blah. Uh, and then there's another book and I always screw up this title even though it's literally one of my favorite books, which is why this is so funny. It's called Leadership and Self-Betrayal. I haven't heard of that one. I'm going to just Google it right now. I, I'm going to tell you exactly what it is because it's such a good book and it's it's great for business, even though it sounds like it's a leadership book. Yeah, sorry. Leadership and self-deception. That's what it's called. Getting out of the box. Here's why. Because we 
I have an experience with you. Let's just assume, which isn't true, but I have an experience with you and I just find you to be very judgy. And then maybe I have to work with you all the time. And so every time I work with you, I'm approaching you and already assuming that you're going to be judgy. So I respond to you in that energy. And then you respond to me in the energy I bring to you. And then we have this ongoing weirdness. Mm -hmm. I can, I have to let you out of the box I put you in in order for you to show me the version of you that you actually want me to see. Love that. That's a part of it. And, and that's way more complex than the, like you really have to read the book to get, get that. The other piece of this though, is all the ways we betray ourselves, all the promises we make to ourselves that we don't honor. And then what happens? We go down a shame spiral. I call it the blame, shame, judgment game. We make ourselves wrong for all the things we, I'm going to drink more water. I'm going to, you know, finally go to that networking event I know that I should be at. I'm going to finally, you know, pitch myself to a TEDx stage. I mean, I could give you all the examples, right? But think of all the times. It's not even the fact that we're not acting. It's the fact that we have made a promise to ourselves and we're betraying it or we're betraying our boundaries or we're betraying, we're saying yes to non-ideal clients when we really wanted to say no. And then it never goes well, of course, right? It always ends in some sort of weird thing. It's, it's really about honoring your intuition ultimately is what this book's kind of about in some ways, right? Like if you're really just honoring all of the guidance of where it's leading you and honoring that, life and business are just it's so much easier so it's kind of twofold but anyways clearly i i love the book enough to not remember the title but it, <laughs> it touched me this much so there you go uh so I mean, yeah i, I mean there's a ton i also think i also the bonus book i'll say is the four agreements by don miguel ruiz i always think that's like a, a book that you go back and read over and over again because on it like think of how many times you make yourself wrong and then you're like hey well take a breath you're doing your best all you can do is do your best or, you know, nothing's personal. So every time I take something personal, I'm like, okay, remember, it's not personal, <laughs> right? It's so simple, but it's so profound. Totally. Yeah. 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 I love it. And what is the free gift? I mean, I know we already mentioned it, but if you wanted to explain it a little yeah. more. It's called the Ultimate Pitching Toolkit. So that's where we give you all of the templates you need to pitch yourself. We give you a uh, you know, it's kind of like a, a workbook where you get to plan out how you're going to pitch yourself and what angles you're going to take and stuff. Because you do have to know your angles. You can't just be like, hey, can I come on your show? I think I'd be a good guest. People will be like, okay, right? What are the angles? And, and I've shared a little bit on the show today about how to do your research and how to just make your pitch pop so that the host in a, in a sea, honestly, of potentially hundreds or thousands of pitches a month, yours stands out. And that can seem like a lot of work, which is why, of course, we show you how to do it. But eventually, I think most people realize, you know what, I got to leave this to the pros. I want the pros to deal with all the no's, to deal with the ghosting, to deal with some of the weird responses. We we buffer people from all that. You're just, you're only going to know who said yes to you, right? You don't need to know all yeah. the other stuff. That's why you're hiring us. It's just like, you know, you should have a team managing your inbox because you don't need to know all the people that unsubscribed that day or all the people that sent you a shitty email. Like, let them take care of that. It's the same, honestly, I would say this to anyone. I don't care if it's for media, meaning like an actual publicist or a booking agency or anything. Let other people manage the responses because although 99.9% .9 of people are great, there are occasionally times where you're like, oh, someone's hangry and needs a chocolate bar right now. That was a really snippy, <laughs> unnecessary email that I just got kind of thing, right? So 
Yeah, but anyways, when you download that, you literally have everything you need to get started. That's our goal. We just want you on podcasts. If you happen to decide when you download that, you know what? My stomach was was bigger or my my appetite was whatever, you know, that feeling, right? A, a Thanksgiving dinner okay. when you take that extra bite. I do this all the time. So when you think you have great intention, but you realize, you know what? I'm going to just let someone else do it. We charge very, like very, very affordable rates because the goal is to get you on a ton of podcasts. So amazing. That's, yeah. You guys go, go download that. Cause I, I could not, I, I've pitched myself before in the past and it's, yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many intricacies and subtleties that you don't know. So that just sounds like I wish I would have had that when I first started. So that's amazing. So thank you so much. And where can thank people you. find you, Jennifer? Well, I um, for for the Podcast Connector, I actually spend a good chunk of time on LinkedIn because that seems to be the place that makes the most sense. We're also uh, have a pretty good presence on Instagram. So I would say those would be the two best places. Amazing. And we'll leave all of the links in the show notes. So just be sure to check those out. Be sure to follow her. And she, I follow you on Facebook mostly, but you just drop just amazing wisdom every time and it's like exactly what I need to hear I'm like yes so you guys go check her out she's incredible (laughs) and if what is one thing that you want people to take away from this boy so many things be unapologetic about putting yourself out there a lot of people want to say yes to you they see the value like you you have value you're an amazing person you have something that only you can contribute and there's going to be a ton of hosts that recognize that and more importantly a ton of people listening to those shows that are being hosted by the hosts that you're dealing with that need to hear your message so that you can answer their prayer amazing thank you so much jennifer it was so amazing connecting with you always so thank Thank you so much really appreciate you guys go check her out i'm serious and with that we come to the close of yet another epic journey of the aligned empire podcast Thank you for tuning in to the frequency of your limitless potential. Each episode is a code to unlock your unique energetic frequencies of money, business, and your aligned empire. If you feel this episode would resonate with others, please share it forward, creating a ripple effect throughout the universe. Make sure to subscribe to continue this journey of transformation with us. Join us again next week as we continue to rise together, joining a movement that is changing the world. This is Drea Brown, your guide on this journey, signing off.